Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read A-C-I-M-O-E. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, with Section 4, Love Without Conflict. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for today, which today is Lesson 41, God Goes With Me Wherever I Go. And we are looking for someone to lead that remembrance of Lesson 41, God Goes With Me Wherever I Go. It's just Donna. It's no one else just prepared. Uh, I just did a quick look. I would I would do it, but if someone else is gifted, please let them speak up. I'm complete. Okay, Donna. Thank you. I'll I'll check <laughs> when we get there. It's not no. It's more definite in the meantime. Okay. Um. All right, I think, let me do this. Let me turn to you, Barry, and ask, do you have an opening you'd like to offer us this morning? I sure do, Lemoyne. Right away I thought of this um, beautiful poem from Rumi. Two little stanzas that highlight God goes with me wherever I go. Called the way to you. The way to you lies clearly in my heart and cannot be seen or known to the mind as my words turn to silence your sweetness surrounds me unable to discern the form of you I see your presence all around filling my eyes with the love of you my heart is humbled for you are everywhere the way to you lies clearly in my heart amen Amen. Thank you, Lori. All right. Um, You're welcome. Okay, this and reading this morning. I have uh, Lori. 
Robin Marie, Donna, and Jessica. And Judy. Sorry. Um, and with us in listening is Ida. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to either be on the reading list or just say good morning? Good morning, good morning. I'm sorry, Karen. I, I just heard your name and then it came to break. I'm just listening today. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Karen. You're welcome. Okay, I'll go ahead and get us started with Chapter 4, Root of All Evil. Section 4, Love Without Conflict. Paragraph 41. You have never understood what, quote, the kingdom of heaven is within you, quote, means. The reason you have not understood it is because it is not understandable to the ego which interprets it as if something outside is inside and this does not mean anything. The word within is unnecessary. The kingdom of heaven is you. What else but you did the creator create? And what else but you is his kingdom? This is the whole message of the Atom, a message which in its totality transcends the sum of its parts. Christmas is not a time. It is a state of mind. The Christ mind wills from the soul, not from the ego, and the Christ mind is yours. Lord. Uh, Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, Section 4, Love Without Conflict. You have never understood what, quote, the kingdom of heaven is within you means. The reason you have not understood it is because it is not understandable to the ego, which interprets it as if something outside is inside, and this does not mean anything. The word, quote, within is unnecessary. The kingdom of heaven is you. What else but you did the creator create? And what else but you is his kingdom? This is the whole message of the atonement, a message which in its totality transcends the sum of its parts. Christmas is not a time, it is a state of mind. The Christ mind wills from the soul, not from the ego, and the Christ mind is yours. 42. You too have a kingdom which your soul created. It has not ceased to create because your ego has set you on the road of perception. Your soul's creations are no more fatherless than you are. Your ego and your soul will never be co-creators, but your soul and your creator will always be. Be confident that your creations are as safe as you are. Thank you, Lori. And would you add 43 as well? I'd love to. The kingdom is perfectly united 
and perfectly protected, and the ego will not prevail against it. Amen. Thank you. And Robin Marie, would you read 42 through 44? Yes. 42. You too have a kingdom which your soul created. It, it has not ceased to create because your ego has set you on the road of perception. Your soul's creations are no more fatherless than you are. Your ego and your soul will never be co-creators, but your soul and your creator will always be. Be confident that your creations are as safe as you are. 43. The kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected, and the eagle will not prevail against it. Amen. 44. That was written in that form because it is a good thing to use as a kind of a prayer in moments of temptation. It is a declaration of independence. You will find it very helpful if you understand it fully. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna, would you read the 43 through 45? 43. The kingdom of heaven is perfectly united and perfectly protected, and the ego will not prevail against it. Amen. 44. That was written in that form because it is a good thing to use as a kind of prayer, kind of a prayer in moments of temptation. It is a declaration of independence. You will find it very helpful if you understand it fully. 45. In its characteristically upside, hyphen down way, the ego has taken the impulses from the superconscious and perceives them as if they arise in the unconscious. The ego judges what is to be accepted and the impulses from the superconscious are unacceptable to it because they clearly point to the non-existence of the ego itself. The ego, therefore, experiences threat and not only censors, but also reinterprets the data. However, as Freud correctly pointed out, what you have repressed can retain a very active life beyond your awareness. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica, would you go back to the usual pattern? 45. Yeah, thank you. 45. In its characteristically upside-down way, the ego has taken the impulses from the superconscious and perceives them as if they arise from the unconscious. The ego judges what is to be accepted, and the impulses from the superconscious 
are unacceptable to it because they clearly point to the non-existence of the ego itself. The ego, therefore, experiences threats and not only censors, but also reinterprets the data. However, as Freud correctly pointed out, what you have repressed can retain a very active life beyond your awareness. 46. Repression thus operates to conceal not only the baser impulses, but also the most lofty ones from awareness, because both are threatening to the ego and being concerned primarily with its own preservation in the face of threat, the ego perceives them as the same. The threat value of the lofty is actually much greater to the ego because the pull of God himself can hardly be equated with the pull of human appetites. By perceiving them as the same, the ego attempts to save itself from being swept away as it would surely be in the presence of knowledge. Thank you, Jessica. And Judy. Thank you, Lemoyne. Repression thus operates to conceal not only the baser impulses, but also the most lofty ones from awareness, because both are threatening to the ego and being concerned primarily with its own preservation in the face of threat, the ego perceives them as the same. The threat value of the lofty is actually much greater to the ego because the pull of God himself can hardly be equated with the pull of human appetites. By perceiving them as the same, the ego attempts to save itself from being swept away as it would surely be in the presence of knowledge. The upper level of the unconscious thus contains the call of God as well as the call of the body. That is why the basic conflict between love and fear is unconscious. The ego cannot tolerate either and represses both by resorting to inhibition. Society depends on, on inhibiting the latter, but salvation depends on disinhibiting the former, which is love. <laughs> the reason you need my help is because you have repressed your own guide and therefore need guidance. My role is to separate the true from the false in your unconscious so it can break through the barriers the ego has set up and shine into your minds. Against our united strength, the ego cannot prevail. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And uh, yeah. is there another new is there a new reader who would like to continue with forty six and seven? 
47. Okay. All right. Um, back to you, Lori. Uh, it was 47 and 48? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, the upper level of unconscious thus contains the call of God as well as the call of the body. That is why the basic conflict between love and fear is unconscious. The ego cannot tolerate either and represses both by resorting to inhibition. Society depends on inhibiting the latter, but salvation depends on disinhibiting the former. The reason you need my help is because you have repressed your own guide and therefore need guidance. My role is to separate the true from the false in your unconscious so it can break through the barriers the ego has set up and shine into your minds. Against our united strength, the ego cannot prevail. 48. It should be apparent to you by now why the ego regards the soul as its so-called enemy. The ego arose from the separation and its continued existence depends on your continuing belief in the separation. Having reduced the soul impulses to the unconscious, the ego has to offer you some sort of reward for maintaining this belief. All it can offer is a sense of temporary existence, which begins with its own beginning and ends with its own ending. It tells you this life is your existence because it is its own. Against this sense of temporary existence, the soul offers you the knowledge of permanence and unshakable being. No one who has experienced the revelation of this can ever fully believe in the ego again. How can its meager offering to you prevail against the glorious gift of God? Thank you, Lori. And Robin Murray. Forty eight. It should be apparent to you by now but why the ego regards the soul as its quote enemy, unquote. The ego arose from the separation and its continued existence depends on your continuing belief in the separation. Having reduced the soul impulses to the unconscious, the ego has to offer you some sort of reward for maintaining this belief. All it can offer is a sense of temporary existence, which begins with its own beginning and ends with its own ending. It tells you this life is your existence because it is its own. Against this sense of temporary existence, the soul offers you the knowledge of permanence and unshakable being. No one who has experienced the revelation of this can ever fully believe in the ego again. How can its meager offering to you prevail against the glorious gift of God. 49. You who identify with your egos cannot believe that God loves you. 
You do not love what you have made, and what you made does not love you. Being made out of the denial of the Father, the ego has no allegiance to its own maker. You cannot conceive of the real relationship which exists between God and his souls because of the hatred you have for the self you have made. You project onto your own idea of yourself the will to separate, which conflicts with the love you feel for what you made because you made it. No human love is without this ambivalence. And since no ego has experienced love without ambivalence, the concept is beyond its understanding. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna? Forty-nine. You who identify with your egos cannot believe that God loves you. You do not love what you have made, and what you made does not love you. Being made out of the denial of the Father, the ego has no allegiance to its own maker. You cannot conceive of the real relationship which exists between God and his souls because of the hatred you have for the self you have made. You project onto your own idea of yourself the will to separate, which conflicts with the love you feel for what you made because you made it. No human love is without this ambivalence. And since no ego has experienced love without an ambivalence, the concept is beyond its understanding. 50. Love will enter immediately into any mind which truly wants it, but it must want it truly. This means that it wants it without ambivalence. And this kind of wanting is wholly without the ego's quote, drive to get it, end quote. It is a kind of experience which is so different from anything that ego can offer that you will never recover. The word, quote, recover, end quote, is used quite literally here. You will never be able to cover or hide again. It is necessary to repeat here that your belief in darkness and in hiding is why the light cannot enter. The Bible gives many references to the immeasurable gifts which are for you, but for which you must ask. This is not a condition as the ego sets conditions. It is the glorious condition of what you are. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Okay, thank you. Um, 50. Love will enter immediately into any mind which truly wants it, but it must 
want it truly. This means that it wants it without ambivalence. And this kind of wanting is wholly without the ego's, quote, drive to get. There is a kind of experience which is so different from anything the ego can offer that you will never recover. The word, quote, recover is used quite literally here. You will never be able to cover or hide again. It is necessary to repeat here that your belief in darkness and in hiding is why the light cannot enter. The Bible gives many references to the immeasurable gifts which are for you, but for which you must ask. This is not a condition as the ego sets conditions. It is the glorious condition of what you are. 51. No force except your own will is strong enough or worthy enough to guide you. In this, you are as free as God and must remain so forever. You can never be bound except in honor, and that is always voluntary. Let us ask the Father in my name to keep you mindful of his love for you and yours for him. He has never failed to answer this request because it asks only for what he has already willed. Those who call truly are always answered. Thou shalt have no other God before him because there are none. Thank you, Jessica. And Judy. No force except your own will. It's drunken or worthy enough to guide you. In this words, he is God. It must remain. It must remain so forever. You can never be bound except in honor, and that is always voluntary. Let us ask the Father in my name to keep you mindful of his love for you and yours for him. He has never failed to answer the three requests because it asks only for what he has already willed. Those who call truly are always answered. Thou shalt have no other gods before him because there are none. It has never really entered your mind to give up every idea you ever had that opposes knowledge, you retain thousands of little scraps of meanness which prevent the Holy One from entering. Light cannot penetrate through the walls you make to block it. And it is forever unwilling to destroy what you have made. No one can see through a wall, but I can step around it. Watch your minds for the little scraps of meanness, or you will be unable to ask me to do so. I can help you only as our Father created us. I will love you and honor you and maintain complete respect for what you have made, but I will neither honor 
it nor love it unless it is true. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And is there a new reader for 52 and 53? New reader, 52 and 3. Okay. Um, back to you, Lori. It has never really entered your mind to give up every idea you ever had that opposes knowledge. You retain thousands of little scraps of meanness which prevent the Holy One from entering. Light cannot penetrate through the walls you make to block it, and it is forever unwilling to destroy what you have made. No one can see through a wall, but I can step around it. Watch your minds for the little scraps of meanness, or you will be unable to ask me to do so. I can help you only as our Father created us. I will love you and honor you and maintain complete respect for what you have made. But I will neither honor it nor love it unless it is true. 53. I will never forsake you any more than God will. But I must wait as long as you choose to forsake yourself. Because I wait in love and not in impatience, you will surely ask me truly. I will come in response to a single unequivocal call. Watch carefully and see what it is you are really asking for. Be very honest with yourself about this, for we must hide nothing from each other. If you will really try to do this, you have taken the first step toward preparing your mind for the Holy One to enter. We will prepare for this together, for once he has come, you will be ready to help me make other minds ready for him. How long will you deny him his kingdom? Thank you, Lori and Robin Marie. Fifty-three. I will never forsake you any more than God will, but I must wait as long as you choose to forsake yourself. Because I wait in love and not in impatience, you will surely ask me truly. I will come in response to a single unequivocal call. Watch carefully and see what it is you are really asking for. Be very honest with yourself about this. For we must hide nothing from each other. If you will really try to do this, you have taken the first step toward preparing your mind for the Holy One to enter. We will prepare for this together. For once he has come, you will be ready to help me make other minds ready for him. How long will you deny him his kingdom? 54. In your own unconscious deeply repressed by the ego is the declaration of your release. God has given you everything. 
This is the one fact that means the ego does not exist and which therefore makes it profoundly afraid. In the ego's language, remember, quote, to have, unquote, and, quote, to be, unquote, are different, but they are identical to the soul. The soul knows that you both have everything and are everything. Any any distinction in this respect is meaningful only when the idea of, quote, getting, unquote, which implies a lack, has already been accepted. That is why we made no distinction between, excuse me, that is why we made no distinction distinction before between having the kingdom of God and being the kingdom of God. Thank you, Brother Marie. And Donna. 54. In your unconscious, deeply repressed by the ego, is the declaration of your release. God has given you everything. This is the one fact that means that ego does not exist, and which therefore makes it profoundly afraid. In the ego's language, remember, quote, to have, end quote, and, quote, to be, end quote, are different, but they are identical to the soul. The soul knows that you both have everything and are everything. Any distinction in this respect is meaningful only when the idea of, quote, getting, end quote, which implies a lack, has already been accepted. That is why we made no distinction before between having the kingdom of God and being the kingdom of God. 55. The calm being of God's kingdom, which is your same mind, is perfectly conscious, is... The calm being of God's kingdom, which in your same mind is perfectly conscious, conscious, is ruthlessly banned from the part of the mind which the ego rules. The ego is desperate because it opposes literally invincible odds, whether you are asleep or awake. Consider how much vigilance you have been willing to exert to protect your ego and how little you have been willing to expend to protect your higher mind. Who but the insane would undertake to believe what is not true and then protect this belief at the cost of truth? Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Okay. Let's see. Um, 55. The calm being of God's kingdom, which in your sane mind is perfectly conscious, is ruthlessly banished from the part of the mind which the ego rules. 
The ego is desperate because it opposes literally invincible odds, whether you're asleep or awake. Consider how much vigilance you have been willing to exert to protect your ego and how little you have been willing to expend to protect your higher mind. Who but the insane would undertake to believe what is not true and then protect this belief at the cost of truth? Thank you, Jessica. And, uh, and we are uh, uh, that. one more time if there's uh, a volunteer who would really like to leave I remember please please the more we can't hear you you're breaking up uh, Judy I, I'm thinking I don't know maybe someone else can correct but I think you're having a phone issue. When you read, you came through a little bit. Still. Is it me? Dr. Lemoyne, you're breaking up on my phone as well. Okay. Thank you. Right. Me too. I concur. <laughs> you're skipping like a stone. All righty then. Okay, well... I'm going to have to dial back in then, I guess. Oh, you're, you're and, good uh, now, hon. You're, you're, you're good now. Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> Is it I'm positive. Yep. Yep. You're good. All right. All right, Kay. I'm going to do a, a brief, brief, a brief little summary here. And which starts with the first sentence. You have never understood what the kingdom of heaven is within you means. The word within is unnecessary. The kingdom of heaven is you. What else but you did the creator create? And what else but you is his kingdom? This is the whole message of the atonement a message which in its totality transcends the sum of its individual parts. The Christ mind wills from the soul, not from the ego, and the Christ mind is yours. Your ego and your soul will never be co-creators, but your soul and your creator will always be. Be confident that your creations are as safe as you are. The kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected, and the ego will never prevail against it. Amen. Okay. 
Love will enter immediately. This is from Love will enter immediately into any mind which truly wants it, but it must want it truly. This means that it wants it without ambivalence, and this kind of wanting is wholly without the ego's drive to get. There is a kind of experience which is so different than any from anything the ego can offer that you will never recover. The word recover is used quite literally here. You will never be able to cover or hide again. No force except your own will is strong enough or worthy enough to guide you. In this you are as free as God and must remain so forever. You can never be found except in honor, and that is always voluntary. <coughs> Let us ask the Father in my name to keep you mindful of his love for you and yours for him. He has never failed to answer this request because it asks only for what he has already willed. Those who call truly are always there. It has never really entered your mind to give up every idea you ever had that opposes knowledge. No one can see through a wall, but Christ can step around it. And he will never forsake us any more than God will but must wait as long as we choose to forsake ourselves. Sorry, excuse me. Because he waits in love and not in impatience, you will surely ask him truly. He will come in response to a single unequivocal call, Watch carefully and see what it is you are really asking. Be very honest with yourself. In your own unconscious, deeply repressed by the ego, is the declaration of your relief. God has given you everything. This is the one fact that means the ego does not exist and therefore makes the ego profoundly afraid. In the ego's language, remember, to have and to be are different, but they are identical to the soul. The soul knows that you both have everything and are everything. Any distinction in this respect is meaningful only when the idea of quote-unquote getting, which implies a lack, has already been accepted. That is why we made no distinction before between having the kingdom of God and being the kingdom of God. The calm being of God's kingdom, which in your sane mind is perfectly conscious, is ruthlessly banished from the part of the mind which the ego rules. 
Consider how much vigilance you have been willing to exert to protect your ego and how little you have been willing to expend to protect your higher mind. Who but the insane, who but the insane would undertake to believe what is not true and then protect this belief with the cost of truth? Well, I hope that was you, Garble. <clears throat> so, uh, for our lesson this morning, uh, I'll turn to you, Donna. Would you like to move this? A remembrance of lesson 41. God goes with me wherever Thank you. This is Donna, and really, if anyone else is, was prepared to do this, please speak up now. <laughs> One, two, three, going. <clears throat> okay. Um, I have a little prayer, I think, that I got out of our reading today, which will set me up for my own study. It's you are you are with us. Jesus let me let you remove the little scraps of meanness that remain to hinder my going because I am God's kingdom. Amen. And from lesson forty one, God goes with me everywhere. I'm going to read paragraph the first sentence of one and three and a couple of sentences in seven. Today's idea will eventually overcome completely the sense of loneliness and abandonment which all the separated, separated ones experience. Three, you can never be deprived of your perfect holiness because its source goes with you wherever you go. And seven, it is quite impossible to reach God. It is quite possible to reach God. In fact, it is very easy because it is the most natural state in the world. You might even say it is the only natural thing in the world. And from Lesson 59, the review, Day 41. God goes with me wherever I go. How can I be alone when God always goes with me? How can I be doubtful and unsure of myself when perfect certainty abides in him? How can I be disturbed by anything when he rests in me and absolute peace? How can I suffer when love and joy surround me through him? Let me not cherish illusion about myself. I am perfect because God goes with me wherever I go. God goes with me wherever I go. Let's take a moment.
God goes with me wherever I go. Amen. I have one little comment about this lesson. And it's that in 2013, about the time I began the chemotherapy, so I'm celebrating 10 years of life this year, I went into a little store and got three shirts with that on it, a white one, a red one, and a full body T-shirt. <laughs> and I'm still wearing them to this day, and it's just God so real big on them. And it's such a wonderful uh, witness. So many people, so many people come up to me and comment lovingly about it. So God goes with me wherever I am. I am complete. Oh, thank you, Donna. And thank you, Donna. Thank you for your lesson too. Thank you, Don. That was very well done. That's the sense of the lesson I get. To it, you know, is uh, not about effort. It's about slipping past all the effort to deny. To deny. So bring the last paragraph. You can indeed afford to laugh at fear thoughts, remembering that God goes with you. This is Donald. From, from paragraph 52, I'm just so thrilled 
that Jesus put in such simple graphic <laughs> gross language about the little scraps of meanness. You retain thousands of little scraps of meanness. Watch your mind for the scraps of meanness. And, you know, I'm aware that I have those kinds of thoughts. The beautiful thing is, though, I am aware of them. I become quickly aware of them. And sometimes they slip by so I don't stop and correct them right away. But, it, but this little phrase in here, <laughs> scraps of meanness, that will now walk, will prompt me to let him uh, help me correct these kinds of errors sooner. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. I'm really glad you highlighted that paragraph. And this is Lori, and <clears throat> while you were speaking, I was remembering uh, the movie um, The Wizard of Oz and thinking, I wonder if the author of that story uh, was trying to convey the idea that uh, Dorothy the person of Dorothy saw those three hands that worked on the farm, you know, at the end of the movie, how they looked in the window and they were just beaming love beams at her. Hank and I forget the, other, the name of the other two. But anyway, her dream was that one of them was heartless and one of them was spineless and one of them was brainless. And in her entire nightmare, she had, um, invented those personages, those projections on how she had seen those people. And, and the other thing that came to mind is you were talking about that paragraph, Scraps of Meanness. I remember um, before I before I had that holy incident, um, I was a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> taught little kids. And um, and my idea of teaching little kids was probably the same way I was taught. You know, don't be a meanie. Uh, you want to be nice. You want to be kind. You want to be um, all these things. You know, Jesus wouldn't like it if you did this or did that. And, and, and I went through life thinking, um, if I could just correct all these effects of um, sin, if I could just correct all these effects of being wrong, if I could just correct all these effects of being mean or being unkind or calling someone names or, or whatever the case may be, you know, this, this layer of belief was so deep uh, that I thought my problem was in the effects department. <laughs> I thought all my problems were in the symptoms department, not realizing that mind is cause. You know, I thought I had to correct the effects of my mistakes. And that's how the ego believes in atonement. If I could just be more perfect, if I could just be more worthy, if I could just be or do X instead of this, you know, and and so everything about the ego, its closed system, is based on a misunderstanding of cause and effect. It thinks that ego, it, it thinks that world is cause, that everything outside itself is cause, 
and it's in a position to react and change cause um, not understanding that mind is cause mind is cause source is cause and we belong to first cause the only cause that's another word for um, capital source God um, atonement all of that <clears throat> And rather than dealing with effects you know oh god if I could just correct myself that's not what we're being asked we're being asked to recognize that everything that you think is an effect everything that you call a symptom arises out of your mistaken thought about yourself arises out of fear arises out of this constrained tiny little thing that you think you are like that first sentence you know the first paragraph uh, you don't understand that the kingdom is you ego has this you being a tiny 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 little speck of so-called reality he wants us to know that the kingdom of heaven is you what else did you but you did your father create what is the you he's talking about here he's talking about he's talking about the capital S self that we all share the Christ mind is yours that's what our father created all of this is mind all of everything is God's dream of creation held within the mind of God and rather than protecting this teeny tiny little fragment uh, that I believe to be true about myself I'll crack this and I'll crack that and I'll crack the other and I'll have some idea of what truth is he wants me to know that truth is already in my nature the soul is perfect remember soul is perfect in a state of grace forever man's only reality is his soul but because of its mistaken beliefs about symptoms effects um, ego has taken and reduced all of my truth to this little tiny judgment compartment in my mind just a little tiny judgment compartment where the call for God is reduced below my awareness where my truth is buried below my unconsciousness where everything is invisible to me because of the ego's fear it is fear its essence is fear and so it tries desperately to control the symptoms and control life and control other people and control everything in order to what preserve that teeny tiny teeny tiny little tiny speck of identity when all the universe is you all the universe is you so how do I what do I do well <clears throat> rather than dealing with the symptoms and thinking I must I must do this I must do that I must do the other in order to get something I am asked to release my smallness by an act of will no force except your own will is worthy enough to guide you I have to disinhibit love and how do I do that how do I do that well he says 
in chapter 3, the 19th paragraph. No one, no one can fail who commends his soul into the hands of his Father. No one can fail. That's the unequivocal call for love. I have to, I have to release my mistakes. I have to, um, well, I have to open my system. That's what I have to do. I have to open my system, my thought system. And I can only do that by an act of will and asking for help. <laughs> I can only do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. I can't do anything. I can't be nice. I can't be kind. I can't correct myself. If I could self-correct, I wouldn't be in this pickle of separation. Um, I have to open my thought system to correction. And he says I can only do that by an act of will. More specifically, he says, you must replace your idea of your limitation with the will to know rather than the will to judge. I've judged myself, I've judged creation, I've judged God, I've judged everything uh, on the basis of fear, trying to protect this little tiny idea of myself. I would rather know than judge and that's the opening that Holy Spirit is looking for. When I give up my idea, I don't have to do anything. I have to release. I have to open my thought system and release my ideas. That's why today's lesson is so beautiful. It asks me to just give up all thinking and sink down, sink down to where the truth abides. And he assures me that I'll get better and better and better at this. And I will find it to be the most natural thing in the world to release my idea of everything, release my idea of myself, of God, and come with an open heart. It is um, the opposite of the ego thing, uh, the ego uh, wants to grasp and hold on and cling tightly and is so, so very afraid. Um, but I want, I want truth. I want to open my thought system, to open my heart mind, to find that place within me. He calls it the altar to God. It's the only thing that's true. The one place where truth will always abide. The atonement is the only gift worthy of the altar to God, and it's because of the great worth of the altar. And when I lay myself on that altar and release my idea, however I like to image that, my mistakes are corrected, and I'm reassured that I belong to my Father, my Father belongs to me. Um, the other thing I wanted to highlight in this section is let us ask the Father in my name to keep you ever mindful of his great love for you and yours for him. I asked myself, why, why am I unaware of my Father's love? 
And it wasn't long after that question that um, my world started to open for me. I need to find the ability to listen rather than tell everything. Um, I want this, I want that, I want the other. No, I just want you. <laughs> I just want you. I love this section so much. It resembles um, it resembles the prayer of every heart is what it is. It's the prayer of every heart. And it's the one desire that the Father wills to to give us love without conflict. And when my mind is no longer split, you know, it's the ego and conditioning that caused this split in the mind, this compartmentalizing of my awareness. And fear is what makes me want to suppress and hide and be ashamed of everything. And I've misidentified myself. And because I've misidentified myself, I've misidentified everything. I need that split in my mind to be healed. And that's, that's the one desire that the Father concurs with me. <laughs> the one wish that Father wills to give me. So as I release my mistaken ideas, they're replaced with truth. He asks only that I release my mistaken ideas. That's the only thing. Rather than dealing with symptoms and effects, release my mistaken idea about myself. And at the altar to God, the light of the Father, Father's mind, unites with the light of the Son's mind and truth is restored. Another great description of the atonement in chapter 11, paragraph 16. Let us ask the Father in my name to keep you ever mindful of his great love for you and yours for him by opening my thought system to truth and releasing my mistaken ideas. That's all I'm asked to do. I'm complete. What wonderful trains of thought. Thank you so much. Good morning. Thank you, Lori, everyone, for your beautiful shares. I had um, an experience this morning at the text speaks of, um, um, I better go back to where it says, um, about lofty, lofty impulses from our consciousness and how the ego evaluates us and, and um, how it's threatened, more threatened by lofty ideas of ourselves than the baser ones. It's like we can accept those baser um, judgments. 
but the the lofty ones, and and that's the experience I had when I was um, reviewing some pictures by the by the web by the web telescope, which shows you know the furthest extensions of the universe of, and and God's creation as so far as we can we can know it, you know, and it's like. The pictures are mind-boggling, and I was sitting and meditating and, and contemplating that all of this is me. I am the Son of God. I am the creation, the one creation of God, and all this is a part, a part of me within me as I am a part of and within God, my Father. And, um, you know, my ego was like slamming shut. It's like, you can't even think about this. How can you? How can you even, you know, think about this? And it's like you're right. I can't think about it. <laughs> it's beyond my mind. It's beyond belief. And I just love this reading today so much, so much so for um, the joy that it's brought me since I first picked up the book. Um, the prayer. Um, the kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected. Um, I found such comfort and safety, a sense of that safety and protection that the lesson speaks of, you know, that that knowingness that God is with me wherever I go. And, you know, I may not be able to understand it or, or, or comprehend it, but I can feel it and I can experience it in my walk through the day. And um, that's the joy where the joy comes from. And that's where the peace comes from, and the unshakable knowing of of my beingness comes from. So this is very, very beautiful to me, and um, sort of fascinated with the ideas of unconscious and superconsciousness, and how it talks about. Um, and I haven't really thought it through, but I just want to look at it again and and talk about that basic conflict between love and fear and how society depends on inhibiting the fear, which, you know, I don't, I don't know that it so much does that, depends upon it. <laughs> Our society has gotten so backwards and upside down, but um, salvation depends on disinhibiting love, love that I should be uninhibited, uninhibitedly, is that a word? <laughs> Loving you know, and full of love, in love with being loving. And um, that's um, what it's all about. But um, how the ego operates in uh, all it can offer is a sense of temporary existence from the time I'm born to the time I die. Great. That's all I get. It's not long enough. Um, soul offers me that knowledge of permanence and unshakable being. being. That's something I can experience and knowing that God goes with me every everywhere I go, that I can know that. The simple knowledge, love your share, Lori, um, that we can speak of knowingly, that I am aware of love's presence. And the more I say it, the more I, I want it, want to experience it, want to express it, the more I know it. And that giving and receiving is one and the same thing, and I can't know I have it unless I give it. And I got it, so I can give it, so give it. But, um, 
love will enter immediately into any mind which truly wants it, but must want it truly. Um, I don't want. I don't want love to be unconscious. I want to to be conscious is to be mindfully aware of it. I have to be mindfully aware of um, the awareness of love's presence. That's that's my reality. That's who I am. And I'm denying my own reality. I'm denying how God created me. And um, I, I've said enough. I like to hear other people's shares, but um, I love the word lofty. The word lofty in here, where is it? Where is it? La, 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 la. Where is it? I thought I'd start it. Something about, oh, the lofty ideas. I already mentioned it, how lofty our mind can think. And um, so I Googled, Googled it, and it's only mentioned, the word lofty is only mentioned eight times. And it's all in reference to, um, and two of them are in Chapter 9, um, Section 4, Section 5, Salvation and God's Will. And it talks about the ego having two conflicting evaluations, or we have two conflicting uh, evaluations of ourselves in our minds, and they cannot both be true. How com- We do not yet realize how completely different these evaluations are because we do not understand how lofty the Holy Spirit's perception of us really is. And then in the last part, this is this section that um, talks about um, evaluating an insane belief system from within it, that we have to let go. The reason we have to let go of everything we think we know is because it's an insane egoic thought. Anything we learn from the world or the world, world taught us is, is just insane. Um, but this is the section that, um, has God himself is incomplete without me and this speaks about the um, remember this remember God himself is complete without me that when the ego speaks and you will not hear it the truth about you is so lofty that nothing unworthy of God is worthy of you choose what you want what do you want in these terms and accept nothing that would not you would not offer God as holy for fitting for him for you do not want anything else amen <laughs> love the word lofty today <laughs> thank you I'm complete thanks Judy Yeah, thank you, Judy. That's uh, those lofty ideas are <laughs> they don't belong buried in our <laughs> So thanks for reminding us where they really come from.
Well, you know, when I'm looking at the the web telescope pictures and and thinking, I have everything and I am everything. To have and to be, having and being, being the same thing. This is what this book is telling me. So I'm wrapping my heart. <laughs> Thank you for your opening. Um, the way to you is not through um, perception or my mind. It is in my pure and innocent heart. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, Judy. It's just Donna, beginning with uh, and Lori, with your sharing, and <clears throat> on into Judy's <clears throat> scripture um, came to mind. Psalm 139, verse 8 goes, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And I thought, you know, isn't that interesting? We understand that really hell and the devil is the ego and the ego belief system. So it's so wonderful that while we seem to be traveling lost in this this uh, ego persona belief system, <clears throat> um, that here it is written a couple thousand years ago <laughs> that uh, God is with us. And the other thing that came back to me was in paragraph 51, which I found so very encouraging, where Jesus said, let us ask the Father in my name to keep you mindful of his love for you and yours for him. To know that we know that we know that we know we love God whether we behave like it or not, in this dream, in this uh, ego uh, belief system. Uh, nonetheless, we love him, and he loves us. And Jesus did his walk to show us that, in fact, I am complete. Mm, thank you, Donna. That's a great perspective. Thank you.
I like the way he ends his section when he asks us to consider how much vigilance you've been willing to exert to protect your ego and how little you have been willing to expend to protect your higher mind who but the insane would undertake to believe what is not true and then protect this belief at the cost of truth <clears throat> good old father of lies <laughs> is the thing about defenses you know he talks about repression and inhibition and and other ego defense mechanisms that I think are really helpful to know is um, one they keep they keep my right mind out of my awareness that is to say I have a right mind and then I have a mind that um, is unaware of truth and goes around uh, trying to figure it out proclaiming it's this that and the other <clears throat> but beneath all of that proclaiming and and um, judging is my right mind and it's my fear that has caused me to use defense mechanisms to keep my awareness keep my awareness tiny 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 <clears throat> tracking just with my judgment thoughts and so um, this question consider how much vigilance you've been willing to exert to protect your ego uh, once I realize that I'm doing this to my mind I'm using defense mechanisms to keep me to keep my awareness in the dark uh, I realize I have a choice now do I want that or do I want something different and <laughs> this whole work is designed to uh, compare and contrast uh, how we've been willing to settle for nothing at the cost of everything <clears throat> how we've been willing to settle for the ego at the cost of the knowledge of our father and our perfect wholeness and holiness and so in questioning me in asking me uh, to think about this how much time and effort I mean the ego steals my life is what it does it, it limits me and takes my life from me to track on this wrong track <clears throat> when I'm tired it's because I've used so much of my energy and judging and resisting and and reacting that I'm not um, I'm not available to truth so I looked it up I, I wanted to know more about uh, this protection protect the ego well that's all the defense mechanisms what about protecting the higher mind and it turns out there's a lesson for it it's lesson 36 which is um, my holiness envelops everything I see everything I see <clears throat> is enveloped or incorporated or uh, somehow joined with me and he says do this lesson every 10 minutes if you can my holiness envelops this my holiness envelops that and recognize that as you do this lesson my holiness envelops 
everything I see, every 10 minutes, what you're really doing is protecting your protection. My holiness is my protection. Oh? <laughs> uh, I've been listening to uh, my ego mind telling me a lot of different things. But I have a way to protect myself. Protect your protection, he says. Every time you do this lesson, you're protecting your protection. If everything I see is part of me, of what do I need to be afraid? And I will willingly give up these defense mechanisms. Because in the presence of love's awareness, there is no fear. If there is no fear, there is nothing to defend. Ego would say, oh, here, let me take my spade and shovel and see if I can find where I'm defending myself and quit doing that. <laughs> you know, but everything about this Course in Miracles is opposite to that. We don't need to go find defects because we're already perfect. And if I can learn to protect my protection, um, I will automatically remember love without having to go fight myself. That's what he wants for us, to not fight ourselves, but to remember the truth. So protect your protection, he says. My holiness envelops this paper. My holiness envelops this desk. My holiness envelops this pen. My holiness envelops that tree. And the experience of truth is so attractive and so beautiful and wonderful that what have I to fear? What need do I have to defend myself? Protect your protection. That's um, that's where he ends this section. I think it's so beautiful. It's so opposite to how my mind would try to correct myself. I can't do that. I can't do that because I'm already perfect. I need only recognize that. And all my mistaken ideas will fall away. I'm complete. Laurie. I don't, you know, I I really have, um, keep going back to the lessons, the lessons of the Holy Spirit, to have all, give all, to all, is, and, and was designed to help restore us to the awareness of our own perfection, how the, per, how being perfect love, we could give perfect love all the time in every situation, every circumstance, and how the, the voice, that strident, mean, critical, judgmental, horrible voice of the, um, the ego is so, I mean, when I first read that, that perfect love is in me, I'm like, really? <laughs> really? 
I'm coming closer every day, but I sure didn't believe it at all when I first started reading the book. I, You know, it's like there is a line in the text that says, um, how can you who cannot even give a single simple blessing understand what giving perfect love is, all the, giving all to all? And I thought, that's true. That's absolutely true about me. What do I understand about perfect love? What do I understand about the truth? But I sure want to know. <laughs> I'm willing to know now. So um, I'm just feeling joyful that um, my 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 disciplines bearing fruit. We shall know ourselves by our fruits, the fruits of the spirit. Amen. I'm complete. Thanks, guys. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks, Jude. I just, I know we're close to the end. I just want to say that, you know, the only real choice is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I have to be still and and really want to hear it in order to hear it, and that it's not the voice of my mind thinking. Thinking in the mind recognizes that there is insane thinking and same thinking, but that's all it can do. It can it can recognize the difference and. I guess the Course calls that consciousness that is where um, the choosing happens. But Holy Spirit's beyond choice. It's, there's only one, and it's all perfect love. So, ergo, here I go. Thanks, guys. Mm. Complete. Thanks, Judy. <clears throat>
influences of Lemoyne, <clears throat> and in terms of clock time, <laughs> you are correct, Judy. About the end, about at the end of the recorded portion, and uh, I just want to uh, bring out one thing. I've in the past I've, I've struggled a lot with uh, um, my perception. This way, my perception of what. what or perhaps more how the reading people read this as being a problem or an error and there was and yet since I recognized that this is just my perception I've begun to see <clears throat> some of these I just want to call them typos they're not typos just uh other ways, they actually are other ways of saying the same thing and perhaps even in a better way. So I want to repeat one I heard today, which says, the calm being of God's kingdom, which is your same mind, is perfect enough. And then break it up a little bit. This is 55. It, it goes on to say it's ruthlessly banished from the part of the mind which the ego rules. And the reading of this had me turn back toward what is one of the first little sections of the text beyond this? The, the first chapter, which is largely an introduction to the foundational idea. Um, in this section is called the reinterpretation of defense and uh, you know it's uh, it's called to my mind I think by the sentence in the middle or, or towards the end 55 consider how much vigilance you have been willing to exert to protect your ego and how little you have been willing to expend to protect your higher mind. <clears throat> and one of the from the reinterpretation of chapter two. Denial should be directed only to error, and projection should be reserved on the truth. You should truly give what you have truly received. This is the basis in which the golden rule can work effectively. Yeah, yeah, not uh, an invitation to a frantic bit of denial, but just to. The ability to recognize, I think, the basis of a thought of being a fear of separation or judgment and to just deny its reality and let it go is 
is I believe that's very helpful in, in doing what the lesson for the day would pass be practice thought patterns with the ego and not get not bind ourselves up in them but it would pass them too the source our source so we can recognize the chapter Paragraph three of the left. You can never be deprived of your perfect holiness because its source goes with you wherever you go. <clears throat> you can never suffer because the source of all joy goes with you wherever you go. You can never be alone because the source of all life goes with you wherever you go. Nothing can destroy your peace of mind because God goes with you wherever you go. We understand you do not believe all of this. How could you? Truth is deep within under a heavy cloud thought sensing appearing yet representing all you see. Today we will make our first real attempt to get past this dark and heavy cloud and go through it to the light beyond. And it is. It is, uh, you know, the academia. And except it's the tongue. <coughs> to just, uh, as I say, not, not going to some bit of frantic defense of the truth, mm. but to just deny the veracity of all the things that made up the fear of separation, separation through judgment. All the all the things that. Uh, Reinforce the view from fear and obscure the view that's available at the top. Anyway, do you have a closing thought to call, Lori? Oh, boy. <clears throat> you can't beat that one, Lori. You can't beat that one. You just gave it. From the lesson, yeah. Didn't let myself laugh. We understand. Beg your pardon? I just have to Mm. laugh at that. We understand you do not believe all that. Yeah. <laughs> How could you? You've been too busy making mm. up. <laughs> All right, well, I'm, uh, I'll press the button then. On to the after call.